When uh, my brother Ray was here last week, um, I hope he poured some life into you. He definitely poured life into me, and I don't have time today to unpack all of that. But as he was uh, preaching on Sunday, it was a very interesting dialogue. I'm just going to let you in on something, and that was Saturday's seminar. I, he and I have talked about the fact that there is, and someone just prayed about it, there's a sense at times of resistance from the enemy, keeping the spirit from breaking through among us. <clears throat> so on the Saturday, he said, I didn't feel anything oppositional. But on Sunday, he could feel it. And here's what's interesting. Without anybody ever telling him, he named the exact location in this room where he could feel it. And other people have said that to me. He never knew that. That's not a coincidence. Next Sunday night, um, we are having a special prayer meeting to press into that. If you're not inclined to, uh, what's the word, dig in, load your guns, and really go to war, don't come. But we're going to go to war against that. So I'm inviting you. There's no pressure. It's a special set-aside time next Sunday night. Six o'clock, that's when we meet here. We're going to focus on that and press into it. And by the way, let me just say this. If there's anybody among us who is aware of something, I'm going to just use the word ghastly, that could have happened in our history that you wonder if that's what's holding us back, don't keep quiet about it anymore. I can't stand it any longer. We need to break through. I want the Spirit to work on our behalf. I believe the Spirit is brooding over us, trying to move in. And we want to give him room to do that. Okay, everybody with me? Let's pray. God, we agree together this morning. Your brothers and sisters are agreeing. It's not just people who stand and pray into a microphone. We exercise our priesthood together. Coming in the name of Jesus and on the basis of his merit and his righteousness, what he's done for us, that is what opens the door for the king of glory, the one who reigns in the heaven to bend his ear and listen because of what Jesus has done as our great high priest and intercessor, making a way to God. So today we pray, we do pray again for our brothers and sisters around the globe. Strengthen them in the light of opposition. Strengthen our hearts for when it comes to us, because I believe it will. I pray in the name of Jesus for your help. Pray for those who have experienced loss and grief. Today, you are the one who is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and you're the one who is able to comfort our hearts, especially when we know that our loved ones belong to you and have the redeeming, precious blood applied to their souls. We're grateful. We thank you again, God, for those, and uh, admit before you that uh, we're not, we're, we don't always feel grateful or worthy for the sacrifices people have made so that we could have freedom. And so we're grateful for that. And those who stand in the gap even today, but even more so, God, um, our great Savior Jesus, the captain of our salvation, is the one who laid his life down to give us the ultimate freedom, freedom from the penalty of sin, the bondage of sin, freedom from being uh, trapped in this life, doomed and separated from you. You have given us life eternal through the person of Jesus. We're grateful. We worship you. We thank you. And out of what you've blessed us with, 
kind of minuscule amounts. We want to honor you with our giving, with the fruit of our lips, our worship, our singing, our testimonies, and not just that, our whole lives. We ask for help today. We give you glory. We give you honor. In the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Gentlemen, if you would.
can all have a seat, and I'm going to ask those who are serving this morning at the Lord's table if they would come forward and take their places up here in the front. I'm doing it a little bit differently today. I'm including the message in the communion time, okay? And uh, the reason being is it's about rescue. So you guys have seats up there? You just got to stand there. I'm sorry. I feel bad for you. Of course, you're going to be leading a song in a minute, so you don't want to sit down yet. Don't you love Pastor John messing everybody up? Thank you. Guys, have a seat right here in the front. Thank you. So my title this morning is, uh, the whole series is Grace Illustrated. What's the matter? Did I miss something? To the uttermost. You have to be King James to know that. I don't mean you have to be King James. You have to know the King James Bible to get that, all right? And we're going to look at that in just a minute. But as we go to the Lord's table, I thought it's appropriate uh, for us to talk about rescue because Grace Illustrated, I love that picture of the shepherd carrying the lamb. And the scripture talks about our Savior carrying us in his arms, right? book of uh, Isaiah, full of that. I, in fact, I just read it recently in, in the Daily Bible, just rubbing in how far ahead I am. Uh, it's not fair, though, because I started way before you guys did. Uh, it's a, an amazing picture, if you will. The table that we're going to celebrate at, of course, was taken over by the Lord Jesus appropriately because what happened in the Old Testament in God rescuing his children out of Egypt with a mighty outstretched arm, bringing judgments on the gods of Egypt, right? Uh, He brings the children of Israel out, and the pivotal night is the Passover night, where it says clearly the destroying angel is going to go destroy the firstborn of every one of the enemy. If you put the blood of the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, over your doorpost, the Bible says, when I see that blood, I will pass over. The destroying angel will pass over and judgment will not fall. What a visual of the gospel. That if he sees the blood painted on the doorpost of your heart, judgment passes over. God rescues us. Everybody follow? It's a great picture. And this table is a picture of that. And of course, Jesus comes along and makes this his and an indication of the new covenant. What I want to do is uh, I want to just read the passage of Scripture that I'm preaching from, and then we're going to sing How Deep the Father's Love for Us. And uh, I'm going to share the rest of my message, and then we will share with one another and hopefully edify one another as we celebrate the table together. Let me just read this um, text. If you want to prove that I'm not making it up, you'll find it on page 1200 in the Black Bible in in the chair in front of you. Ready? This is Hebrews chapter 7, starting in the 22nd verse, which is the end of the previous paragraph, but listen along. So much the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. The former priests, everything that came out of the Old Testament, the setting up of the priesthood who would make sacrifices for the people of God, kind of a picture of what was to come, just to to have a process for them to recognize that the shedding of blood was necessary, that sin was serious business, and that God was doing something to rescue us. 
The former priests, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, Jesus, on the other hand, because he abides forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Hence also, he is able to save forever. Anybody recognize that verse? He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins, then for the sins of the people, because Jesus did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, but the word of the oath, which came after the law, the oath, you are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek, that was the oath, appoints a son, Jesus, made perfect forever. Amen. The word of the Lord, right? Let's stand together as we sing this song.
worship team. Praise the Lord, right? Great stuff. You may have a seat. So I have a, uh, a few stories that are worth repeating on an occasion, especially at times of communion. When I think about this rescue, I think of this great story that uh, I found years ago. I've read it at least once since I've been here, but when I was checking it with people, they were staring at me like, huh? So I thought it's probably safe to use it again. Besides, there are some... How about you? Do you have favorite movies you watch over and over again? Have favorite books? My wife has favorite books. She reads them again and again. My son read the Lord of the Ring trilogy 15 times through. He's been to therapy for a while now, but no, he's just loves it. You know, sucks it in. There's something about that. This story is one of those. It's a story of rescue. I found it in a magazine. It was by a writer named Walter Wangerin. He's a little older now, but he's written some excellent material and uh, very creative. When I found it in the magazine, it was called His Terrible Love. His Terrible Love. Terrible as in terrifying. God's terrifying, if you would, love. And the subtitle was, And Grace My Fears Relieved. Anybody recognize that, right? "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." See if you can follow it as uh, I read this story. I'm just going to read right through it. "'The coming of the kingdom is like the coming of my father to my brothers and me when we sat fishing, blithely fishing, from a ledge 12 feet above the water in a stony cove in Glacier National Park.'" In the year of sudden awakening, 1954, I was 10. My brothers, grinning idiots all, for that they had followed a fool, were in descending order 9, 7, and 6. Before our trip from Grand Forks West, I had furnished myself with fishing equipment, with a Cheerios box top, and my personal dime. That tells you how old he is. I sent away for ten small hooks, three flies, leader, line, red and white bobber, and three thin pieces of bamboo that fit snugly into one pole. Such a deal. Such a shrewd fellow I felt myself to be. On a bright blue morning, we chopped bits of bacon into a pouch and went forth to fish. We sought a mountain stream. Though we did not depart from the trail down from the campground, Fortunately, that same trail turned into a wooden bridge that crossed furious, roaring waters. The crashing of a falls from a slower bed of a stream, a mountain stream. There to our right, before it dived down into the rock chasm immediately below this bridge was a mountain stream filled with fishes, certainly. We had found it. But the bridge joined two walls of stone, and even the slower stream came through a high defile. But I was a shrewd fellow in those days, a leader indeed. I noticed that a narrow ledge snaked away from the far end of the bridge, and it was overbellied by an enormous boulder, therefore hidden from the view of lesser scouts. If we could crawl that ledge on hands and knees through its narrowest part, ducking low the boulder, why? We'd come to a widening, a hemisphere of stone big enough to sit on, from which to dangle our legs, a sort of fortress of stone, since the wall went up from that ledge a flat 12 feet and down again from that ledge another direct 12 feet. Perfect. Safe from attacks. Good for fishing. 
I led my blinking brothers thither. <laughs> That's humor. None questioned me. I was the oldest. Beside, I was the one with the foresight enough to have purchased a fishing pole. You got to flatten out here, I called back, grunting in order to fit beneath the outcropping boulder. They did. One by one, they arrived with me in a fine round hideout. Above the sheer rock, some trees leaned over and looked down upon us. Below our feet, there turned a lucid pool of water itself some 12 feet deep. And so the brothers Wangerin began to spend a fine day fishing. We took turns with the pole. The bacon didn't work, but as a sign of our favor with all the world, the trees dropped down on silken thread some tiny green worms, exactly the size of our tiny hooks. We reached out, plucked the worms from the air, baited the hooks, and caught truly, truly several fingerling fish. Oh, it was a good day. All that we needed, we had. And then came my father. (laughs) We didn't see him at first. We were thinking about him. Get this. So filled with ourselves were we. Our chatting and our various successes. But I heard through the water's roar a cry. A distant, distant wally. I glanced up and to my right where the bridge arched, and I almost glanced away again, but a wild waving caught my eye. Wally, 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 Dad. Yes, it was Dad. Hey, look, you guys, there's Dad leaning over the bridge. They looked, too, and straight away, Philip started to cry, and then Mike, too. Paul dropped my pole into the water 12 feet below. And I saw in my father's eyes a terror I had never seen before. Wally, how did you get over there? Over here? I looked around. Suddenly, here was not a fortress at all. It was a precipice. A sheer stone dropped to a drowning water. And that water rushed toward a thundering falls far, far below my father. With his eyes, I saw what I had not seen before. In his seeing, which loved us terribly, I saw our peril. He was crying out as loud as he could, Wally, come here, come here. But the ledge on which we'd come had shrunk. It was as thin as a lip now. The hairs on my neck had started to tingle and my butt grew roots. I couldn't move. Neither did my brother's. I didn't even shake my head. I was afraid any motion at all would pitch me headlong into the pool below. I gaped at my father, speechless. He stopped waving. He lowered his arms and stopped shouting. He stood for an eternal moment looking at us from the bridge, and then his mouth formed the word, wait. We couldn't hear it. He didn't lift his voice. Quietly under the booming waters, he whispered, wait. Then he bent down, removed his shoes. At the near end of the bridge, he bent down farther, farther, until he was on his stomach, worming forward, knocking dust and pebbles by his body into the stream, bowing beneath the enormous boulder that blocked our freedom. Dad's coming. See him? Yep, Dad's coming. I knew he would. He pulled himself ahead on the point of his elbows like the infantry beneath barbed wire. 
his face drawn and anxious. He was wearing shorts and a long sleeve flannel shirt, red with darker squares, I remember. When he came into our tiny cove, he turned on his belly and hissed to the youngest of us, Mike, take my heel. Mike was six. He didn't. Mike, now! Dad shouted above the waterfall with real anger. Grab my heel in your hand and follow me. You should know. You should know that my father is by nature and breeding a professional and formal man. I don't recall him often going into public wearing short sleeve shirts, nor would he permit people to call him by his first name, asking rather that they address him according to his position, his title, the degree. Even today, the most familiar name he will respond to is Doc. Dad is two-legged, upright. Dad is organized, controlled, clean, precise, dignified, decorous, civil, and formal. What a descent it was, therefore, What a sweet humiliation that he should on his stomach scrabble this way and that, coming on stone, then going again, pulling after him, one son after the other, Michael, Philip, Paul, and then me. Wally grabbed my heel. Follow me. It wasn't he who had put us in these straits. Nevertheless, he chose to enter them with us in order to take us out with him. It was foolishness that put us here. It was love that brought him. So he measured the motion of his long leg by the length of my small arm. He never pulled farther than I could reach. The waters roared and were troubled. The granite shook with the swelling thereof. But my father was present, very present. I felt the flesh of his heel in my hand leading me, and I was still in my soul. I ceased to be afraid. That stony cove had not been a refuge at all, but a danger. Rather, my father, get this, in love, bore refuge unto me. My father bore me back to safety again, so I did not die in the day of my great stupidity. I lived Thus is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain man whose eldest son was a nincompoop. (laughs) Have you been able to make the connections in your head? In my bulletin, I gave you three fill-ins, and it's basically this. Self-sacrificing grace, amazing altruistic grace, and sufficient saving grace. Let me just rattle through the verses that flesh out this story, and we'll go to the Lord's table. Self-sacrificing grace. God bore safety to us. He bore refuge to us. We didn't deserve it. Scripture tells us and remind us, reminding our, our, our study together, that grace means God supplies us with undeserved favors. We got ourselves in trouble. It's undeserved rescue. So the scripture tells us, and when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. I'm self-sacrificing my very being. Do this in remembrance of me. A better covenant that we enter into today because God brings refuge to us. Here's the verse I read earlier. 
Jesus does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices for his own sins. He's sinless. And then for the sins of people, because he did this once for all when he did what? He offered up himself. He got down in the dirt and risked his life to rescue his children. That's the first thing. Then there's amazing altruistic grace. I consider the injustice of it personally. That statement, you should know that dad was decorous, upright, formal, if you will. My father, he is the one who takes the low road to rescue us. Here's what it says. It was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, exalted in the heavens, much more decorous than a doctor in the Midwest. Our Savior, holy, altogether lovely, perfect, crucified, marred, and beaten on our behalf. Completely unjust in my mind. For it was fitting that we should have such a high priest. It wasn't him who got us into these straits. We did that ourselves. And here's what the scripture says about that. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. And get this, all of us, anybody recognize this? All of us like sheep have what? All. Some of us? All of us like sheep have gone astray, and I dare say still go astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Amazing altruistic grace. It wasn't he that caused the problem. We did. Just like Wally and his brothers, it seemed like a good idea at the time. You ever see how that works out sometimes? Those of you who are movie fans, one of the great spiritual movies of all time was The Magnificent Seven. Not the new cruddy version, the old original one. And in that, one of the comical characters says to the bandit in a dialogue, your question, why did you come back? Because they came back to rescue the village. He said, kind of, your question kind of reminds me of a friend of mine who way back in a western village took all his clothes off and jumped into a pile of cactus. That was the answer. It seemed like a good idea at the time. But how do you think that works out? Boy, that's a good picture of sin, isn't it? Seems like a good idea to take my clothes off and jump into this pile of cactus. And I lived in the West, and let me tell you, that would not be fun. And lastly, sufficient saving grace. Dad put himself at risk, self-sacrificing, to bring about our salvation that we, we remember at this table. My title, To the Uttermost. This is the King James Version of the verse. Wherefore, this is verse 25 of chapter 7 of the book of Hebrews. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. 
If you come to God, you can try to earn your way with God. You can go try to do a lot of altruistic behaviors, give to all kinds of good good causes. They're everywhere today. That's not going to earn you points with God. There's only one way to come to God, and that's through the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. You've got to grab his heel and let him drag you out off that precipice. Here's how the Bible puts that verse in two other versions. It'll help flesh it out. The first one is the NIV. Hence also, he's able to save how long? Forever. Those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. But there's one more version that I think says it even better because we tend to park on that and say, ah, my heaven is secure. But more than heaven is secure, brothers and sisters, much more than heaven. The life of change and transformation is also secure. And here's what it says in the uh, New Jerusalem Bible. What happened? I just lost my thing. Oh, is it there? Here we go. Ready? I got to show you this one. No. I'm missing a, a slide. Oh, let me just read it to you. Therefore, he is able to save completely. He is able to save completely those who come to him, come to God through him. And here's the last one I wanted to show you. It follows then that his power to save those who come to God through him is limited. It's absolute. I can be rescued Absolutely. Isn't that awesome? And his work in us is absolutely available. The problem is not with him. It wasn't our father that got us into these straits. And it's not our father's arm that is shortened that makes us kind of tragic and pathetic and limping along. Okay? His power on our behalf is absolute. So with that in mind, we want to celebrate what our Savior has done for us this morning. That's why we're at this table. We're going to have uh, those who serve distribute the bread. And we're going to wait today. We're going to partake together as a community. And as as the bread and as the cup later are being passed, I'm going to just invite people to edify one another, to share, to speak life to each other, to listen to the Spirit, okay? Because I believe He's been brooding over us. And uh, I think he started something last week, and I would love to have him continue it, all right? So let's pray together. We bless you today, God. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, and we thank you that though you are upright, formal, decorous, lovely, beautiful, holy, all of those things... You condescended and gave your body to abuse. We remember that with the bread given for us, the new covenant. Lord, we're grateful today for life eternal. For those who are listening in, who aren't sure, they are invited to this table if they will simply come to God through you, Lord Jesus. They'll say, I can't save myself. I invite you to save me, God. I desperately need you to make me your child. Speak faith and life 
and to those who are listening. I pray, Father, for your help today. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, if you come. So as the elements are being passed, I'm inviting the body to minister to itself. Hold on a second, brother. Can everybody hear? Maybe not. Maybe use. Yeah, please use it. Sorry. Okay. Um, Thank you. How about now? Can everyone hear me? Yes. Okay. So a couple years ago, I left my old church for some pretty negative reasons, but legitimate reasons. I felt drained, neglected, abused, and I just, it wasn't a very healthy environment for me. So I got out and I spent the next several months kind of just bouncing from church to church, trying to find a a better body to be a part of. And even though there was nothing wrong with those churches, I never really connected. I never felt like I was um, able to be a part of it because I just felt like I was in a place that just wasn't in sync with where they were. They were established. They were, well, they had it going on, so to speak. Um, And then I, on a whim, came here. And uh, one of the things that Pastor Hako had said was that this church was a church in recovery. And... uh, I listened, and obviously he drew me in with Yoda impersonations and stuff like that because I'm a nerd. But <laughs> um, but the, the church and recovery thing, it, it kind of spoke to me, and I stayed, and I became a member. And I have been growing over the last year, but I've always felt like it's been slow, kind of stunted, and I never really knew why that was. Um, but last weekend, with the between the seminar on Saturday and the message on Sunday, just the experience that Ray Light, Lightcap had... Um, with depression, it, it opened me up and exposed me to the fact that I've had an underlying thing of depression in my life that's kind of been keeping me from experiencing the fullness of life, as he would call it. Um, so it's not a bad thing. I don't mean to say this to, to sound negative or anything, but um, you know, it's you can't really face something until you know the truth of it. And now that I'm aware of it, it's you know it's not something I want, <laughs> but I know it's something that I need. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to publicly declare that because uh, even through some of the tough stuff, um, God is showing that he cares. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. Sir, we need a microphone there and here. I'm not sure. Hello? Okay. I'm not sure I actually need a microphone, but last week um, at the end of the service... We were invited to stand if we wanted to change. You got to know that if you put that out to God, he's going to do something to you. It's just the way he works. Um, I've had this underlying, I stood last week with my wife and we stood here and I, we talked about it this week. I've had this underlying thing and the th- song we sang last week, Thrive, came back and we were meant to thrive. And I don't feel like my life has been thriving. I feel like I've been living more to survive than to thrive. So God has basically said that, hey, listen, you're supposed to be more than what you are. And I don't know what that means at this moment, but I do know that standing up last week and hearing what we had to say has kind of got, um, put a little spark underneath me, I guess you can call it. So we'll see what happens from here. Hey Amen. You have the chutzpah to stand up, huh? 
This one right here. Oh, yes, you will. Thank you. But anyhow, again, uh, I should be married 22 years, and I want to thank um, those who are still with us, Jean, Judy, Charlie, Ellie, and Don. I'm sure they remember the day where we were married, and we were married in six inches of snow, or was it 20? I don't count. <laughs> but anyhow, who said married people don't fight? Gail and I have that books, but we always make up, and we just thank the Lord. And we think of those who are no longer with us, that are with him. And um, we just thank the Lord for this church. We're so happy we could come back and listen to you. We're thankful for you. And, and um, so many things have happened that we are now in our third sponsor child through Children's International. And we're thankful for that. Thank you. You like to listen to me. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. We're gonna, don't go too far. Wait right here for a minute. Let's stand together for a moment. Uh, you know what? If you're, you can stay seated. I, I'm making you work too hard, right? Yes, Pastor John. We have the bread. Has Jesus gotten involved in your life? Okay. This is a picture of me continuing to feed on his grace, right? Grace illustrated right here. So as we partake, let's just be silent. Give your personal thanks to God in your heart when we partake. The body of Christ. We're thankful, God. Thank you. For everyone in whom the Spirit is brooding and moving and provoking toward change, and when they open their heart to that, we thank you. Beyond the bread, as a picture of your body, the most vivid illustration of rescue is the blood shed for the remission of sin. Lord, the, the death penalty is what we deserved, but it wasn't our Father who got us in this mess. It was ourselves. Thank you that you sent your Son to altruistically, sacrificially, amazingly, abundantly rescue us by his grace. And we want to celebrate that in the cup. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Don't go anywhere, okay, because I know you want to share. People who are coming, we're going to serve the cup, and then we'll continue sharing. Who was supposed to get that? Okay. They're not there. Behold, he is risen. He is not there. Okay. Okay, we got enough? Thank you. Please. Okay, thank you, Bob.
I don't know if everybody can hear me. I've been having a really rough, rough time. Um, not just with things, I, I think with myself. Um, I was starting to hate. I was starting to get really mad. And I started holding it down inside. I don't know how to explain it, but things were bothering me. And something was tugging at my boot, as Pastor said, because I had to go meet with him. And what happens is, what I saw was, after I was mad and after I had that hate for whoever it may be or whatever it was, I got more mad at myself for hating. And I was like, how can I hate so much when I am God's child? When I have a father that loves me for everything that I do, no matter what. And I had to come to realize that. And a lot of times we hold down that hate or that frustration. And I had to bring that blanket and open up and share with my father, my heavenly father, who I really was and what I was really feeling. And that is the hardest thing that I could have done. And you know what? Every day I struggle with it. And every day I have to deal with it. But I heard on the radio the other day, God looks to you to see your best. Stop thinking about your worst. And start thinking about your best of what you're great at. How much you love. How much you care. How much you worship. How kind you are. And that's what I have to do. And that's what I learned. And I'm trying to really, really learn that. And that's all I have to say. So thank you. Thanks, Nina. Did you get on the solution side of that that day a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Praise the Lord. Right here, Bob. I've just come back from a two-day um, women's conference over in Hershey. Went with a couple of lovely ladies from this fellowship. Uh, one of the speakers, for those of you who do Facebook and um, watched Chewbacca Mum, who uh, put on the Chewbacca mask and had over 200 uh, hits. She was one of the speakers, absolutely amazing. And one of the things that she said that really spoke to me was that you can't have the joy of the Lord unless you have hope. Mm. And I'd just like to share that as a word for anybody this morning, that you may believe in Jesus, but if you haven't got that joy that flows like a river, look at your hope. What, what are you hoping in? And also, uh, the other thing that came to me very strongly over the weekend, which I shared with somebody else, is you can't heal if you don't feel. And um, I think there are, <laughs> and I, I certainly understand um, what was just said. Um, if, you've, if you've got a stone in your, your shoe, um, the way that you deal with it to get the stone out is you feel pain. And unless you take that stone out, you're going to end up with a cut or an ulcer, an infection. And a lot of us are walking around um, hurt from things that have happened in our lives, tragedies, um, whatever. And we're not letting ourselves feel it. We're not letting the pus come out. We're not letting that boil pop. 
um, and it's hurting and you can't heal if you don't feel and things will only get worse and one day it will explode. Uh, it will come out somehow because it has to. So I would just encourage us all, me too, because I've, I've got stuff, um, you know, to, to let God deal uh, with the stuff. Let it heal and feel it and let it heal. Thank you, sister. I don't know how you knew about one of my very favorite illustrations, that very kind of illustration. Gross, right? But it's true. It's absolutely true that you have to squeeze it till the blood comes and cleanses the wound. Makes all the difference. The blood of the new covenant. I always like to say to the king and to his kingdom, can you join me in saying that? Because there is a king and there is a kingdom. And I'm in it. How about you? To the king and to his kingdom. There is a king. Going to ask the worship team to come. We're going to close with a classic hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. I hope today it is well with your soul. If it's not, we want to invite you to come up and speak with one of our leaders how to enter into life eternal with Jesus and get on this journey of transformation. Thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Our meeting is in here after. Downstairs. Those in the fo- the not blowing the sides off the building focus group are downstairs that other group is out there god bless you let's stand together as we sing
Amen is right. That's pretty good. Let's pray. Now, God, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Spirit, the love of God, go with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. We're late. Go fetch your children. God bless you.